the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our three. I am Seth Liebson coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals, your uh, trusted uh, source for all things uh, political and political philosophy, especially conservative political philosophy, is my dear friend John Shattig. He is the former congressman representing the old congressional uh, CD4, Congressional District 4 here in Arizona, which represented the area from whence we broadcast. He is now the head of Shattuck Associates, LLC, and my nominee for the next chairmanship of the Arizona State Republican Party. John, how are you, sir? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you're going to, yeah, Port, you're going to be Chairman Shattuck next? <laughs> I don't think I'm qualified. Yeah, I think you are. Why? Why wouldn't you? Your 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 last name is Legion here in Arizona. Uh, it represents a, a strong political understanding of, uh, and serious political philosophy. You represented us uh, for 16 years in Congress. You've uh, been an attorney. I think there's no one more qualified. You're, you don't want it. No, I didn't say that. Okay, then <laughs> <laughs> <And> he's in. <laughs> he did not deny. He did not deny deny it. John, are you willing to accept a draft? Yeah, we're going to draft you. A draft shattering movement. Yeah, a successful draft shattering movement. Yeah, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of um, some of this stuff, uh, John. Um, let's first start start nationally and move locally. Let's do that a little bit. Um, New Hampshire last night. Um, I I I'm not with the crowd that thinks that Nikki Haley has a path to victory here. I'm with the crowd to, of thinking that says a house divided against itself cannot stand and it's time to unite and start training all of our sites on the left. That's the threat here. I just I you tell me if I'm or where I'm wrong. I do understand the notion only two states have voted. I understand that. But to me part of politics is understanding the writing on the wall as well. Oh, so you're supposed to know when to hold them yes. and when to fold them. The Kenny Rogers view of politics. That, yes, that, sir. I am I am with you on the point of does she have a path to winning? I don't think she has a path to winning. If she uh, had a, a victory in the near future, if she could carry South Carolina, her home state, then I would say uh, that then becomes a, a – more difficult question or a less clear question. One of the issues that troubles me is uh, I I worry about his electability. I think he is, uh, regrettably, his strongest opponent. And uh, I worry that uh, the left, uh, with its passionate hate for him uh, and with the media's passionate hate for him, and with him having spent the last two years essentially in his own basement, uh, we don't see him every day. I think the onslaught is going to be uh, 
unbelievable, even beyond what the onslaught has been in the past. And so I worry whether or not he can win. And uh, that is a concern to me. If he is, if he, if he has changed his style to some degree and he is not his own worst enemy, then, then he's the next president of the United States. And I'm thrilled with that. Uh, I, I worry that she is more electable, but I also worry that she's on policy, not as good as he is. The only place, therefore, that I would actually disagree with you is I think she has a right to stay in at least through her home state of South Carolina. Uh, And I don't think that's a mistake. And I think that gives time for things to flush out. If suddenly South Carolina wakes up and says, no, wait a minute, this is not the direct path, then I think that's a different circumstance. But as a general proposition, I agree with you also that there is. There is a time when you have to coalesce as a party. There will come a time when her supporters have to become passionately his supporters and then just pray for a good outcome. Uh, maybe more than pray, work very hard for a good outcome. So it's a, uh, it's a good analysis. It's, it's I, a fine point between the two of us. No, but, no, no, no. It's a good analysis. And I want to I want to examine some of it with you if I can. The winning of your own state um, to be sure. If she can't, then it's over. It has to be over. Uh, she is now down by 30 points to the president in her home state. But, you know, who knows what takes place over the course of a week. First uh, of all, polls that are taken very far out from an election are at at best snapshots of correct. the moment. Correct. Uh, now, he's had that kind of support all the way across the country, and he has it. Although, for example, last night, she was supposed to lose by double digits, and she lost by as near as 10, 11 points. Did she lose by 10, 10 or 11? Points, yeah. I'll, yeah. T- I'll get that final count. But, yeah. but that could be attributable to the fact that she got a lot of non-Republicans. Mm-hmm. Now, the issue is that then goes to the issue of the general election. If he can not get uh, a meaningful number of non-Republicans, and if he loses a meaningful number of Republicans, then... Uh, the notion that he's a sure in, a sue, what is it? Shoe in, yeah. Shoe in, yeah. there we go. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It, it's actually the hard out. to say. We're just you know, the notion sure. that he's a shoe in to beat Biden uh, becomes a, a little bit shakier. Yeah, all of that is good. This home state business is crucially important. I, I remember in 2000, you know, if Al Gore had won his home state of Tennessee in 2000, it never would have gone to this. Uh, Florida would have been. Yep. You know, right. It, yep. He just couldn't even win his home state. I think it matters that you have to win your home state. Here's my concern, John. You tell me, you know, politics. Your dad wrote the book on how to win. Um, my concern is for her to continue on. She has to be increasingly anti-Trump. She has to be increasingly uh, dissent, dissenting or derogatory or critical of Donald Trump. And I always worry about when you dig that hole, you are creating talking points and campaign points for the Democrats when the ultimate general election comes around. I hate the idea that we shoot ourselves as a party like that when we kind of know, we kind of know that her path to victory is pretty slim. The valid point, yeah, hard to argue against that at all. Uh, it, for example, offends me immensely that when Chris Christie got out, you know, he starts, right. he just continues with the attack. And, and he says, I will do nothing to right. help the guy. Right. 
parenthesis, maybe he didn't put the word ever in there, but yeah. he did. And and the, it is a team sport. I mean, one of the things you learn in 16 years in Congress is it's a team sport. And you can't be all, always be the one that scores the point. You have to be a, a, a player that's willing to enable the other guy yeah. to score the yeah. point and take the credit. And you take your turn when your turn comes along. And so uh, I am not a fan of... I guess I uh, maybe I could state it differently. I'm a believer in Ronald Reagan's Eleventh Commandment. Um, we should about- not be ripping our own people. I, I would be pleased if she would spend, if she stays in until South Carolina. I would be pleased if she would spend all her time going after Joe Biden because that's what we need. You to know, understand. that's such a great point. You know. Why can't we vote on the person who seems to be able to make the best case against the Democrats rather than the best case against fellow Republicans? That always seemed to me like that should be the attraction. Now, Reagan is a great thing. I love this notion of the 11th commandment, but it shouldn't it's, – it's not an orthodoxy. I mean this comes from the man who's, who challenged a sitting president, right? Yep. But then he got on board. Then he got on board and he gave a very gracious speech at the convention and that sort of thing. But yes, why can't why shouldn't we be looking to the person who can best take the case and best make the case against our political opponents rather than our political partisans? I've always wondered that. We absolutely should. And if she gets good advice, that's what she'll do. Many would argue that she's making a case for 2028. Uh, There will be no incumbent in 2028. And. Uh, so she could model well by going after Biden from now till then. And God knows there's plenty there. Uh, and, and from the philosophical standpoint, she can make the case of his uh, deficient or or damaging philosophy uh, better than Trump can, because her record as a conservative, though sometimes questioned or challenged, is, I would argue, in some ways better than his because you know, he, he was for years a Democrat. Yeah, he um, he is interesting. I mean, in in the sense that you pointed out at the beginning of, of, of this interview, he is interesting. Which Donald Trump will we see? Will we see the Donald Trump post? Will we see the Donald Trump from last night? Um, and then it, it's an interesting question as to the independence. That's what people are talking about. Let's talk about what the polls are saying right now in the general election. Again, just being the snapshot. Uh, and we'll do so when we come back with Congressman John Shattuck. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Whenever I hear this song, John, John Shattuck is my guest, Congressman Shattuck, um, Whenever I hear Kentucky Woman, I always think there's this great line attributed to Abraham Lincoln uh, about why he wasn't more aggressive before the Emancipation Proclamation with uh, the border states. And he said, (laughs) I'd like to hope, I'd like to think I'm on God's side. But I gotta have Kentucky. (laughs) But I think about that. In the sense of how politics sometimes has to work, you know, it's what you can get, uh, the maximum you can get, and knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them. So if we can have a a concerted Neil Diamond, Kenny Rogers thesis here, (laughs) worldview, uh, uh, unified theory of political uh, pragmatism. So the current polling right now, just just which is to say that we've got to come together and we've got to 
you know, we, we've got to say, all right, uh, I don't think this one is perfect, but none of them are perfect. Right. So uh, if, if, we, if we are a house divided, to go back to the point you yeah, made at yeah. the very beginning, yeah. that is a sure recipe for defeat. Yeah. Let's talk about the house divided for a moment. Um, and let's talk about the independent vote as well. It seems to me it should be a very easy case to explain to independents what you had under the Donald Trump presidency versus what you've had in the Joe Biden presidency. We actually now have empirical evidence. Uh-huh. Right? We have the we have the acid test. For all these MSNBC chatterboxes who talk about – and the Democrats who talk about the end of democracy, the greatest threat to democracy, tyrant Trump, we, we actually have four years of experience with this. We have – actually what we have is tyrant uh, Biden. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And, and, and it seems to me that it wouldn't be that hard to make the Ronald Reagan case. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? Um, I, I, it just seems to me you remember, you remember someone for the best things they did. And when you think about the best things he did, he kept, he kept our economy strong. He kept the world at peace. None of that is true today. The world is at pandemonium. We have allies being attacked. We have Russian invaded uh, other countries. We're talking about Taiwan. We have Iran taking on the United States in Iraq, in the Gulf of Aden, in the in the in the in the um, in the in the Persian Gulf. The world has gone to pandemonium, and it just wasn't the case. The notion that he is a tyrant is an invented. Kimura of the left-wing talking point. Totally invented uh, whole cloth from the beginning. You know, as you walked through that, I thought, first of all, I think if I know anything, I know a lot about elections and electoral politics. Maybe uh, a little bit about conservatism, but I also know about campaigns. And uh, eight straight victories. uh, With some tough primaries, too. With some tough primaries. and one guy who thought he was going to put on a tough general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I go back kind of to, to two things. One, I watched the other night the snippets of people in New Hampshire being interviewed, and they would ask them, and they gave that exact answer. They, they did a very spectacular, articulate job of explaining why they could never support Biden and why they believed Trump was the right guy, and they went back to, let me tell you how much better I was doing uh, back uh, when Trump was president, and they rattled off the details. Interestingly, the second thing is that there's this study I think I've talked about on the show before that showed that the single greatest influence in any election is not a TV ad or a speech, it's friends in a conversation uh, where one friend says to the other, I'm voting for, uh, and the other says, well, I trust my friend. He pays attention to politics. So if in this election uh, Trump is able to get Americans talking to each other one-on-one with – and here's where it gets interesting. One of the things that worries me is that each administration always makes the economy and other things look better in the last 12 months. Yeah. Uh, my son and I were talking about this just last night. Trump, I mean, Biden is going to do 
everything humanly possible to lower inflation, lower gas prices, uh, uh, lower interest rates between now and Election Day, not because he believes in the, the policies that will effectuate that, but because that's the way he gets reelected to then enact the policies that will destroy all that. But if in those conversations the Trump supporter says, don't be fooled by what's happening today. Don't be fooled by the fact that gas prices are down eight cents or 10 cents. This is a shimmera. This is not reality. The reality was when Trump was president for the whole time, your life was better. Vote based on that. And if if in fact that happens, then we get Trump elected and we banish Biden, who has done so incredibly much damage. Uh so, you know, that is uh, my source of optimism yeah. for what happens. I also think there's this other issue that's looming, and I don't know how it's going to shake out, particularly with the fight between Texas <clears throat> and Washington or the administration right now, which is immigration, because it seems to me that there is an awfully large swath of the Democratic Party, an awfully large part of the Democratic Party that is beginning to wake up to this is actually a crisis after all, whether it's about jobs with illegal immigrants, whether it's about the notion of sovereignty, whether it's about crime, whether it's about trafficking of humans, whether it's about drugs. These are these are in many ways those ancillary issues, uh, aside from the breaking of, of our illegal immigration laws in the first place, those human trafficking, sex trafficking drug issues, job issues, those are nonpartisan, bipartisan – that's what I mean by ancillary. Those are – those 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 spokes from that hub should attract some Democratic, certainly independent votes to the Republican Party. How much should the Republicans highlight the immigration issue as an, as an election issue? As much as humanly possible. Yeah. And I'm thrilled that it is in the two states which have uh, – expressed themselves so far, immigration, I think, has been the number one issue, followed by the economy as the second issue. Those are two hugely uh, helpful issues for us. The Democrats, obviously, are going to try to make abortion the issue because yeah. that issue is a is a quagmire yeah. for us. Yeah. But but I think the, the point about – the only comment I'd make on your point is that when we talk about Democrats are beginning to notice it, the truth is – most people get out of bed every morning and they don't think to themselves, I'm a Democrat yeah. or they don't think to themselves, I'm a Republican. Yeah. They think to themselves, I'm a father and I'm the head of the household and some things scare me. And they've gotten to the point where and they, the mainstream media tried to hide this as long as they could. But they're now getting up in the morning and saying, what the heck That's a good are point. we doing bringing in millions of foreigners with no test whatsoever. Last week when Martha and I wanted to go to uh, Europe, they wouldn't let us go absent 26 tests. And and our government is allowing millions of people. Point. Martha is my wife. That was a hypothetical. There's some news. Let no. me come right back. <laughs> but, but the government exacts everything from them to leave the country and then lets anybody who wants to come in. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Congressman John Shattuck, my guest. Um, 
you made the interesting point just before the break about a hypothetical Martha waking up in the morning, not thinking she's a Republican, not thinking she's a Democrat. Most people, as you say, don't think that way. But they do see something changed in their ordinary lives or in the ordinary Let's have a let's have a hypothetical. Who was the they, hypoth- see, they who, see a lot changed. Who was the hypothetical cu- couple that the Clinton administration was it Harry and Louise who did the Harry health and Louise, Harry yeah, and Louise the, health, the Clinton healthcare thing? We'll do George and Martha. Let's say there's a George and a Martha. <clears throat> I have long held the thesis, and I've never been able to track a poll down on this, but it's just been my assessment in communications, John Shattuck. That if there's one thing almost every American gels to, almost every American can associate with or appreciate or desire, it's not really equality so much as fairness. People want fairness. They know when something's unfair. Kind of they're a political jury system, if you will. And when they see unfairness, they don't like it. Left, right, center, you name it. People don't like unfairness. Absolutely. That's where I think the exploitation of the illegal immigration issue, your Martha saying, well, you know, why can he do what I can't or why can she do what I can't? And oh, wait, I'm an American citizen and they're not. There is a fundamental unfairness here. I, th- I think the use of the language point is absolutely right. If Trump were shrewd, he would begin using – and every Republican would begin using the phrase uh, Biden's unfair immigration policy uh, because that's what it is. It's unfair. Uh, it's unfair to the people who wait in line. Yeah. It's unfair to the people who got here lawfully. It's unfair to the people even who were born here. It is simply unfair to average Americans. Oh, my job is being stolen by, uh, and they get all hyper about this, an illegal immigrant. Well, maybe they're not illegal. I happen to think they are. But how about an unfair immigrant, an immigrant that got here under an unfair system? I think you're dead right. And and, and it used to be a Democratic Party thing, immigration. And there is something about Donald Trump who does appeal to some of those older school Democrats. Uh, that Some of that language does. It certainly did with independents and Democrats in 2016, less so in 2020. But 2020 was a damn hard year when you think about it. I mean, the coronavirus did a number on this country. And... It changed that economy and it changed a lot of kind of the dynamics of what the Trump administration had put in play almost on every other front on domestic policy. And and it just seems to me with the benefit of now what now four four years with the coronavirus, with the vaccine regimens, um, there's no excuse for the economy where it is. There's no excuse under Joe Biden for the economy to be where it is. There's no excuse to us to, for us to be more divided than ever. That's a point. So Joe Biden was supposed to be a uniter here. He was supposed to get us past these, 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 uh, these great divisions, these great cleavages and the way we talk to one another, the way we think about one another, the way we treat one another as fellow Americans. I believe we are more, and I think people sense we are more divided now than we were even in 2020. Oh, clearly more divided than we were then. Uh, And I think you can make the point that fundamentally this guy's a fraud. He has not fulfilled any of the base promises that he made. And 
one of the most important ones of which was he was going to unite us, not further divide us. And instead, he's allowed himself to be to be controlled by the most radical influences in his inner circle. And and therefore, he has done radical things which divide us. And so now we are uh, much more divided on any given issue and much worse off on any given issue. Where were we on interest rates? Where were we on any aspect of the economy? Where were we on energy in the world? We were supplying the world. Uh, no, he's made, he, he, in terms of his promises, he's a fraud. Uh, and I hope uh, that uh, the Trump campaign can get that point across. Let me take a quick commercial break, and I want to come back on another uh, index as to why I think Trump um, has the leg up in a general matchup against Joe Biden. Congressman John Shattig is my guest, S-H-A-D-E-G-G. He is the founder and president of Shattig and Associates. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Honored to have Congressman John Shattig uh, here with us, as we do most Wednesdays. Uh, did you ever see the movie, Al- the old uh, Alfred Hitchcock um, movie, um, Rear Window? Great movie. Jimmy Stewart is in a in a broken. He, he's wearing a cast, and he has a home nurse come, played by Thelma Ritter, and she comes and you know takes care of him at his house, and um, she is talking about her homespun wisdom. And she says, do you remember that stock market crash in 1929? And Jimmy Stewart's character, L.B. Jeffrey, says, of course I do. She goes, I predicted it. He says, you predicted the <laughs> stock market crash. How'd you do that? She says, well, I was taking care of the president of General Electric, and he had to go to the bathroom about 20 times a day. And I thought when GE has to go to the bathroom 20 times a day, we're all doomed. <laughs> And I was listening to Jamie Dimon, the head of J.P. Morgan Chase, yep. last week in Davos. And when he said yep. there are some things Donald Trump got right, some things. He said he was right on NATO. He was right on the economy. He was right on COVID. He was right on immigration. immigration. Some things. <laughs> when, when the head of J.P. Morgan Chase is saying that, it tells me, hmm. It was probably the single most refreshing thing I've seen in the news in, yeah. I don't know, two years. It, it's just fantastic. It, that's an oh, interesting one, one of barometer. Elites. Yeah, uh, it's a barometer. Figured it out. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's a barometer. That's a good barometer. It's a good barometer. A little better than Thelma Ritter's and, uh, and the habits of, the, <laughs> of General Electric. But that having been said, there are a lot of barometers. No one – okay – we understand and we appreciate that Donald Trump draws hot passion both yes. both both ways. You, Absolutely. You, you, you're not neutral on Donald Trump. But, you know, Joe Biden draws no passion. What would you and what would your dad say about a candidate with passion versus a candidate with no passion, even if some of the passion is negative? Well, and I don't know the answer. I'm not. This was not a leading question. I don't know the answer. I personally believe very strongly that candidates have to have passion. And I demonstrated that, yeah. I think, the entire time I was in Congress. Some of my friends would point out that when I was 
running and I would go to give a speech, I would stand on my tiptoes, uh-huh. the entire speech, because I wanted, I was so excited about getting this point across. Yeah. And they would tease me, you were on your tiptoes today. <laughs> I like so passion is very important. He, and you are absolutely right. Uh, Biden is passionless. Uh, but w- what I was going to do is introduce my comments by saying it depends upon the media. Because we, no matter how hard we try not to be dependent upon the media, we are in fact dependent on the media. And when they, at the end of one of his speeches, and they make their commentary, they say, oh, he passionately argued for his position. And you go, he did what? You know, so um, I, I think the point is well taken. Uh, I think passion used properly is very important. Actually, I think drama is a part of politics. Uh, my my mom and dad met uh, while she was trying out for a play, and and drama is deep in the Shattuck family. We we're passionate about everything, and we're dramatic about everything else. So it, it is a part of the communication skill you need. I think it was a problem for uh, the governor of Florida. He he couldn't project passion, yeah. uh, and he didn't. And I think it's an asset uh, to. Uh, Nikki Haley, yeah. uh, but it's certainly an asset to uh, anyone, any politician that uses it well, and obviously Donald Trump uses it well. Uh, but the question is, does it fit? Does he do it correctly in enough circumstances as opposed to incorrectly or using the wrong words? He may have the passion, but then the words don't uh, match it or don't. Don't come across as adequately rational. Uh, and so it becomes an issue. But I do think uh, I mean, Biden, Biden is so awful, I, I almost can't believe we couldn't defeat him. Right. And yet then it creeps into my mind, well, well that's, what if we do? Well, that's, that's kind of interesting. If you were here a year ago and I said to you, I think you were with us a year ago, but I don't think this was on the horizon. If I had said to you, this was when – DeSantis' stock was pretty high and people thought, oh, he's going to give Trump a run for his money. You remember those conversations. If I had said to you back then, I think this Nikki Haley might get in and you know what? She could probably outrun Ron DeSantis. Never would have. Nope. You wouldn't. (laughs) You'd be thrown off the stage for saying that. What? So what does explain that? Why is it the passion thing? She does have a passion. Uh, She does draw a passion. A few decades ago, they would have called it charisma. Sure. And it's the ability to connect with people. It's the ability to convince people that you believe what you are saying and you care about what you are saying. You aren't just saying it. Yeah. And uh, she projects passion. Uh, DeSantis didn't do as well. He just didn't. No. He he ended up being much more bland than we thought. Absolutely. And, and, And I think... That's why people were scratching their heads saying, well, I don't get it. Why isn't he connecting? And the answer, I think, is, is that. Uh, and that's a, you know, that's a step up uh, for Trump. Um, what we have to do is, is go after the media and their uh, just consistent yeah. Uh, un- un- yeah, they're unfairness. unremitting attack. Yeah, well, they're unfair. That's yeah, what they it's are. It's unfair. Going back to your to your word. Yeah. Um, let's let's see if we can get someone to work with that. Unfair. But people don't want unfair. No, Americans don't. Absolutely. I, you know. By the way, that explains some of Trump's rise in the polls within the Republican Party itself. You know, when those indictments 
started coming is when his poll yep. numbers started rising. They we saw an unfairness. He, he, we are many of his most passionate supporters and just many of his flat out I'm with you supporters, no matter what, are angry that he has been and is being yep. treated unfairly. And so far, it's turned out that more of them have been mad that he's been treated yep. unfairly than are concerned about what he is alleged to have done. Absolutely. Uh, I, I did and, this with a caller yesterday. I said, um, name me like at least one of the crimes Donald Trump has been indicted on. It it, it takes a few seconds to uh, think it through. It, it takes a few se- John Shattuck, it's lovely having you here, always. Hey. It's a great fun. Now you and Shirley or Martha go home <laughs> and watch Rear Window. You will <laughs> thank right. me for it. Grace Kelly, Jimmy Stewart, Thelma Ritter, Raymond Burr. Why would you not want to watch that? I, with that list of characters, I absolutely have to watch. You it. have to watch it. You'll thank me. I expect a review next week. There you go. All right, we'll be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that invests you with flexibility and control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees, no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. With Y-Refi, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. That's 888-YREFI-24. Young David, have you seen Rear Window? Of course. I've seen it multiple times. It's one of Grace Kelly's only, what, like five movies she made? Is that right? Was she only in five movies? I think something like that. High Society. Uh, well, that was her last movie, and she was engaged to Prince Rainier when that was um, produced. Yeah. In fact, I think it even came out after she had gone away from Hollywood. Yeah. And gotten married. I didn't realize uh, she it was only off in. I didn't realize it was only like Mogambo, five movies. I want to say it was her first movie with Clark Gable, mm. and she was chosen for her beauty. Yeah. And then there was <laughs> really? High Noon <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with Gary Cooper. Yeah, To Catch a Thief. To Catch a Thief with Cary Grant, Rear Window. Yeah. And Dial M for Murder. Dial M for Murder. That's probably the one I'm forgetting. So that's six. Yeah, that something six like that. Six movies that she's made. Yeah. yeah. She only made about five More than Jodie Foster. What, what made jo- Jodie Foster? <laughs> I was trying to think why Jodie Foster is so famous. I think she's made like three movies. Uh, Taxi Driver. Well, it's... Probably, Taxi probably Driver, Silence Honest of the Lambs. Huh? Honest to goodness, probably the Reagan connection. Because, I mean, Maybe. you think about that. You know, yeah. she was a college student when that happened. Do you want that Thelma Ritter line? I would she love was it. great. I crash in 29. I predicted that. Oh, yes, how did you do that stuff? Oh, simple. I was nursing a director of General Motors. Kidney ailment, they said. Nerves, I said. Then I asked myself, what's General Motors got to be nervous about? Overproduction, I says. Collapse. When General Motors has to go to the bathroom ten times a day, the whole country's ready to let go. <laughs> the whole country's ready to let go. <laughs> All right. Well, it does feel like that pandemonium around the world. And here, and here, and this uh, immigration battle, you don't want to be in a position where you put the governor of texas in the position he's been put in there will be a lot of finger pointing going around going around on this fight 
over immigration between Washington, D.C. and Texas. There is, with every war, with every battle, an origin story. And the origin story to this one must not be forgotten. It's that the Biden administration resolutely, determinedly refused to do its job and secure the border after repeated, continuous and constant attacks and requests to do so. It's not nonfeasance, it's malfeasance, not by the governor of Texas, but by the administration in Washington. Until tomorrow, on behalf of David, Bill, and Terry, I'm Seth. God bless and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.